Hello and welcome to episode number 51 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is August 7th, 2017. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones too and we are both at McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 51 where you'll find some links to subscribe to us, check out our Facebook page, like or follow us on Twitter. So uh, before I stumble over any other words, I'm going to hand it over to Slappy, and he's going to introduce our topic. Yeah, thank you, Rallo. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again. Today's topic we came up with because over the past week we had some discussions on Twitter with some, uh, some situations that have been in the news, in libertarian news, uh, maybe more so one story than the other. But uh, writer, activists... I think she works at Reason Magazine, Elizabeth Nolan Brown, retweeted something that some young libertarian said that was, that she thought was sexist and said, basically, I, Rollo knows the story a little better, but basically said, uh, hey, libertarians, look out for this guy. He's going to be looking for a job. You shouldn't offend people who might be hiring you. And she is high up at Reason Magazine. Uh, so, you know, she was alerting other people of the things he said, caused a little outrage in the libertarian world people were trashing her saying that's his right to say that that's free speech um and she is violating his right to free speech by doing that uh, another story has been in the news that maybe the more the general population is aware of is uh the death of the suicide death of conrad roy uh it's known as the suicide was it the suicide um the tech suicide where michelle carter his somewhat girlfriend texted him, uh, encouraged him to commit suicide. Um, I really simplified that story big time. There's a lot more background to it. Um, but I don't think it really matters too much for our discussion on free speech. So obviously people are upset with her, says, you know, this is a disgusting person. We can't have people like this in society. She has to go away to prison. And other people were saying, well, I'm kind of uncomfortable putting her in jail. She didn't pull the trigger. Um, or she didn't actually kill him physically. She wasn't even present. She was sending text messages that encouraged him to do it while he was in the process of committing suicide, which was actually carbon monoxide poisoning. So, Rallo, first we'll talk about the Elizabeth Nolan Brown story, since you were a little more involved in that than I was. But what do you think? What are you saying? Did she violate uh, Aaron Sobchak's free speech, right to free speech? No. And a lot of people were saying that it was like censor, censor, ah, man, I can't talk tonight. Censorship, because she was trying to alert potential employees, like you said, to hey, maybe not employ this guy. So I, I don't know how, without a threat of violence, you're censoring someone. Um, you know, businesses have are well within their rights to employ whomever they want. Uh, and sometimes that depends on how that, that person perceives life in reality. Uh, there's been plenty of times where you have like a, a news anchor. I remember, I think it was TSN, which is uh, Canada's version of ESPN. One of their anchors uh, sent a tweet out with a pro-life message. And TSN said it's against our policies to have people commenting on that kind of stuff. And so they fired him. And it was like anything else. You have the one side saying like, yeah, we don't want that garbage being said. And other people are like, well, what about his free speech? Well, you don't have a positive right to a job. 
So you have the right, like anything so, else. To, wait, to let me stop. Them. Let me stop you right there. What do you mean by a positive right? So a uh, a positive right is something that uh, if you want it, you know, you you want to have whatever that right is, and then you need to have it. So like so, a positive right would be your right to life or right to health care. No. So are there positive rights? Uh, not really. I don't think there really are. So you uh, have, I just said that there was a positive right to life, but really it's, it's a negative not, right to not be attacked. Right. So you yeah. shouldn't, so it's a negative, right? You have a negative right to a job in that, um, no one can aggress against you in your pursuit of, of getting that job. Um, so the state is one of the, the greatest, uh, perpetrators of violating negative rights and they put all sorts of roadblocks in the way of doing basically everything so anyway uh, back so, to the story you were saying a positive she, she does not or uh he does not have a positive right to a job correct so all she did was retweet what he said so it was it was his word she didn't make it up right uh it was public what he said and it was completely factual and also, just to add a little bit more context, um, so she was doing a, a tweeting campaign to try to get more women involved in libertarianism, and you know he wasn't the only. There's there's all sorts of trolls on the internet, especially so people were commenting back and and making jokes, whatever. Nothing really serious. I mean, it it was a harmless joke what the what the kid sent, Aaron Subject sent, but it was. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where she probably just Brown probably just had enough of saying it, and uh, it was he was being dismissive of what she was trying to do. And she said, "Hey, you know what? The people that you're making fun of right now are the pe a lot of people behind this. Uh, I think it's it's I forget what it's called, and I don't want to butcher the name, but they get young libertarians trying to break into the movement and being uh, you know writers and and uh, pundits and everything out there." And so they're, they're kind of like a, a, a launch pad. So she was like, if you're going to be dismissive of what we're trying to do, then, you know, we're not going to help you. So, hey, all, all the people involved in this kind of stuff, do you know, if, if you're looking for someone, uh, you know, let someone else have a chance before this guy because he's, he's kind of being a jerk to us. So don't bite the hand that feeds you. I think what it kind of ended up being. So... Well, also, just uh, just a side point, not that he was in a job interview, but how often do you hear stories or while you're in college and you're learning how to interview, do they teach you not to say something stupid in your interview because oh, your speech yeah. can lose you the job? As uh, someone, I've, I've done, uh, I'm on one of the re college recruiting teams for my company. And so I do the career fair and, and do, you know, on-site interviews and it's it's amazing sometimes it's just like you want to say to the kid just shut your mouth like why would you bring that up like just i, I don't know if i don't know what it is but they're young so yeah and yeah whatever but it is a risk if you say the wrong thing if you um you know show by by your speech that you don't you're not really qualified for the job through your speech uh, they probably won't hire you. And it's their right, right to not hire you for whatever reason they feel like not hiring you. It's their company and their job. 
Right. And if they have a bad reason to not hire you, then you're going to be of a benefit to someone else. Someone else that's willing to take a chance on take you. Take a chance and, on and it. And they're going to benefit from it. Yeah. And so, so, and of course, it's a two way street. So if people didn't like what Brown had to say, and people did this, then you, then you say, hey, uh, hey, Reason Magazine or whoever or Twitter or everyone, I think she's being ridiculous. This is unfair what she's doing. You know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't read Reason anymore. Maybe I shouldn't follow her on Twitter. Whatever you want to do. I mean, it's, it's a two-way street. So if you're not prepared to take the backlash and criticism for, for opening your mouth on something, then – you know, you, you take your lumps, but right. you know, it, it all blew over. It's not, yeah, it's not like I don't think anyone cares anymore. And if you do still care, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a one day, two day kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But as far as the, uh, cause people were saying censorship because now we might not be able to get a job. And, and it's, first of all, it's one of those things. Stop. I don't want to dismiss the libertarian movement because it is, it is strong and it's great and I love it. And, and it's done a lot of good stuff, but no one outside of our little world had any idea this, this kind of stuff was going on. So I really doubt that this is like destroyed this kid's employment prospects. Probably not. But on top of that, how is it different? And let's say Slappy opens up a hamburger restaurant. And I go and eat there and I, I, get, I get a hamburger and I eat it and I think it's just absolutely terrible. And maybe I just have a terrible taste in hamburgers. But I go online and say, hey, the Slappy Hamburger Shack, uh, don't eat there. Their hamburgers are terrible. Uh, I, I was there and it was a horrible experience. I don't recommend it at all. So that is presumably Slappy's livelihood because it's his restaurant. It's his business. That's how he makes his money. Uh, and would I be violating his rights by sounding off about uh, hamburgers when it's when that's re- you know really subjective? Well, now you're talking about my livelihood. Yes, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you should no, go lock course. me in a cage for. Of course so, not. Right. So let's say that um, there's a guy Poncho who yeah. really likes. Let's pick on him. Yeah, I'm actually saying something nice about him. That's, oh. Never mind. Done the ops. Yeah. Well, Poncho's a stupid idiot because uh, he likes your hamburgers a lot. Oh. He doesn't want to see you go out of business because he likes eating there. So what does he do? He he, he sees that I have a bad review of it, and he goes online and maybe Yelp or something, or, or on the website or your Facebook page or something, and, and he replies back and says, "Yeah, what's the matter with you? Uh, I love eating here. The, the, great, the hamburgers are great. I want to know why you didn't like it. Maybe, maybe you just don't like hamburgers and you got a hamburger and surprise, surprise, you didn't like it. So maybe it's not the restaurant's fault. It's your fault. But he's going to go out and defend it to kind of offset the, uh, the bad review. And presumably if you're a big enough restaurant getting enough reviews, then the overall taste of people is, is going to yeah. dictate whether or not you're going to be in business. Yeah, we all buy things online, and I know I'm not alone in buying things from companies or uh, products that have a couple negative reviews. I think that's expected. Nothing's ever perfect, and you're going to see some one stars and 
you get to read the review and decide for yourself whether you want to take the risk of buying it, even though people had bad experiences. So it's all kind of the market working its way out. Sure. Um, I want to I want I want to change gears a little bit, but staying on the free speech topic and talk about this Michelle Carter sentence. She was uh, convicted of involuntary manslaughter in this suicide death of Conrad Roy. And I just want to know what you think about it. So I'll, I'll, I'll lay a little background. Not that this really has too much effect on um, the free speech aspect of it, but this guy, Conrad Roy, had some uh, mental issues, some psychiatric problems. Uh, so did Michelle Carter. She had gotten professional help, and she had encouraged Conrad for a couple years to also get help. Uh, he did, and continuously throughout this whole time, and he must have been going through a lot. Um, it's really a sad story. Uh, he kept saying he wanted to kill himself. He didn't want to live, and she had encouraged him not to do it for a long time, and one night, I, I don't know what happened. She must have snapped. She must have gotten tired of these phone calls and text messages. And she said, just go ahead and do it then. And uh, apparently he got out of the car and she sent a text and said, get back in and do it. And he did. And he went back in the car and he died of um, carbon monoxide poisoning. So she's in jail or will be in jail for 15 months plus five years probation. Uh, the talk on Twitter was hate speech is not free speech. You have no right to say something like that. A couple other examples were given. What if, um, this was an actual example someone gave me, what if you're in a crowd and someone yells bomb and in the riot that ensues someone dies, is that person who yelled bomb responsible? Obviously that's not free speech is what this person was saying. So Rallo, do you have any thoughts on those situations, those scenarios, on what free speech is and what we should do about situations uh, like they posed as ridiculous as some of them may be? Right. Um, I, I still on your thunder here, but what you said before we went on the air was, uh, you know, free speech isn't about protecting. Hello, how are you? Um, and I think, well, to, to just go after the the shouting bomb in a crowded whatever. Um, I think if you had, if 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 all property was privatized, then, um, you know the owner of the property would set those rules. And um, although that's not exact, that's more like for yelling fire and shout uh, yeah, in a crowded theater. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you're, if your intention is just to cause problems by, uh, by yelling bomb in a crowded, you know, theater or something and someone dies, I, I mean, I think you're partially responsible. I mean, you're, you're the one that, that caused the issue. Um, I don't think it's necessarily like, you know, premeditated murder unless you somehow knew that that was going to be uh, the result of your action. And and not to fight the hypothetical, but what kind of crowd is this where someone yells something and they all freak out and run? Right. <laughs> but let's, I don't want to fight that. I, I get it. If someone said something that caused someone's directly caused their death, I think, uh, a, say we had a stateless society, society would decide, the judges would decide uh, how responsible this person is. Maybe the right. person who ran was being the one who was irrational, who killed someone over hearing the word bomb. Right. And, and if society, and I don't think you necessarily need to lock that person 
in a in a jail cell for a while, but you know that person gets identified as someone who's irresponsible and would yell something that would incite basically a riot. You're not going to let that person into your into your business or your property because you don't want to. He's too much of a risk. Yeah, and and where where backtracking a bit, where you said um, friendly speech doesn't need protection. I'm assuming you're referring to when I said. The one comment was hate speech is not free speech. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, I didn't tie yeah. that well, but yeah, obviously we don't need to protect people from talking about the weather or saying hello or saying you look beautiful today. Um, although I guess some people do get offended by that, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't need protection to say nice things. You need protection from the bad things. Um, but yeah, that's, we would talk about, market forces solving that like we did with the Elizabeth Newton Brown. Um, but what about, what's the, yeah. What did I call her? Elizabeth Newton Brown, Nolan Brown. Yeah. Were you thinking about Greece or something? Yeah, or, I was, I was, uh, what do they call that hand jiving or something? Uh, or is that a different one? No, that's, that's, unfor I'm ashamed to say that I, I know where that's from, but yeah, it's born to hand jive. It's from Greece. Right. Nice. Yes. See, I knew it too. Um, anyway, what do you think about the, uh, Michelle Carter case? Do you think that was, do you think we should be angry at the state for putting her in jail? I mean, it was really disgusting. It's really a terrible thing to do to tell someone to go kill themselves while they're committing suicide. I, I don't think most people would be like, Oh yeah, no, that was her right. Yeah. She should do that. No, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very unsettling, uncomfortable thing, but how old was she? 18 to 21 or something. Probably, I, would she, I think she was about 16 when it happened. Oh, she's that young. No, maybe not. Maybe she was a little older, but still, I mean, she was a teenager. Teen I'm pretty sure. 18, maybe. I mean, how many nasty, uh, she's how, 20, many nasty yeah. okay. how many nasty things did we say, you know, we're that age and, and now it's, it's, it's a little bit different to, to have a suicidal, friend or acquaintance that you say that to but I, I i really doubt that she said woke up that morning and said hey you know what i want this kid to kill himself today so i'm gonna make sure he does it so again it's it's i don't think punishing her is first of all i'm sure i'm sure that the punishment of the gravity of what happened and the guilt that she's feeling is more than enough to I can't imagine having that weigh on me for the rest of my life. Right. That you told your friend, you know what, go kill yourself. And he does it. I mean, that's, that's gotta be absolutely terrible. Um, so again, I think it's, it's another thing where the market would, would do a better job of figuring out how to handle her without saying that, Hey, we get to, you know, commit violence against you. Um, that, which is what the state does. Which is basically revenge. Right. So what is, it, what is it solving by throwing her in a, in a cage for a while? I'm not going to sit here and say that I know the best solution for her, but... I mean, we could take like a, almost like a brutalist standpoint and say, well, he did it himself. It was his actions that did it. Speech didn't make him do it. Um, and that is, I, I mean, think, I, there, there's, a, there's some... Uh, what's it called to that? Um, because he was Some the merit. one that did it. it makes yeah. sense. And, Nobody and else did thing, it. He did it I, on his own. 
And I don't think she was being, you know, it, it's another thing if she's being manipulative of him and, you know, basically committing a, you know, mental and emotional warfare against him. But and maybe she did, not but that's not, how it, that's not how it came across him when I read about it. Right. Um, another, just an interesting aside. So if you can convict someone for something like that, does that cause a, you know, now we have a precedent type kind of thing where you can go to jail for speech that kills right. someone. Um, what happens when civilians die in war? Does that, should that general? Yeah. Or when, uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're saying we have weapons of mass destruction here and right. It's a lie. <laughs> right. And that's a total lie. Yeah. Um, brings up a lot of points to people who, um, I guess, believe in the state. And maybe taking this on a different, uh, you know, about the who's responsible for the for the suicide and the death is looking at it from kind of an insurance standpoint. Um, how how do you think an insurance company would handle this? Who would they who would they put at fault or more responsible? That would be up um, to the claims department, but I, you know, if we were saying like, well, I I know we can't say we can't speak for you know insurance company X Y Z, but but at least generally speaking, how because you you would tend to think things that you do to yourself that you have a, a strong part in aren't insurable. Like, um, you can't. What kind of insurance would there be? Like a, a so suicide example, insurance or. Uh, insurance against uh, burning my house down. Well, I, I'm in the um, insurance business and I specialize in disability insurance. So self-inflicted injuries are not covered. Right. And they put that spelled out in the contract language. It's standard contract language that's excluded from coverage. If you purposely hurt yourself, you're not covered for disability because that now, I mean, it creates a moral hazard. You know, you're falling behind on your bills or you think you're going to lose your job. You could hurt yourself and collect a disability payment. It's not actual risk when you're doing it to yourself. Sure. Um, so we talk about insurance. This could, this would be another episode, but insurance in a free, free market that there'd probably be some kind of like personal liability insurance, just like there's car insurance. We, we don't go drive a car planning on ramming people with the car. Just like you go through your life living, you don't plan on hurting people, but sometimes mistakes happen, things happen, and that would be an insurable risk. And so how would an insurance company look at someone who, one, in the past encouraged someone to kill themselves, now that would make a higher premium or exclude certain things, um, and someone who is constantly talking about killing themselves uh, could change the way they're underwritten. Yeah, and I think that the fact that we that insurance companies aren't allowed to operate uh, in the way they do in a free market setting where they would be uh, selling policies, not specifically for, you know, insurance policy for making sure your friend doesn't commit suicide. It's just kind of a general liability policy. But yeah. And it's, and it's just like how uh, without the state providing uh, protection service that this, the state would, or not the state, the market would figure out how to insure people for, you know, police protection type stuff and people who are known criminals aren't going to be able to purchase insurance. Right. And so it kind of creates, it creates an environment and creates a strong incentive system that, you know, if you're a bad, bad actor, um, 
life's going to be really, really tough. And if, as opposed to your bad actions getting subsidized, subsidized by the state as it currently is. I mean, criminals right now, and I know I'm going off on a tangent, but criminals right now are subsidized by government. Protect, they have equal protection of the police as someone who keeps their nose clean their entire life. Well, and this is kind of a, an aside, but I think we would see a lot of this in a market. One big thing, and if there's any smokers out there who have applied for life insurance or gotten quotes on life insurance, you'll see that smoker rates sometimes more than double the premium of a non-smoker. And so you could be a 20-year-old smoker uh, who wants a 10-year term, and your rates will be probably double what a non-smoker would be. And you think, that's not fair. I'm not going to die by the time I'm 30 from lung cancer. Like no, Not many people die that young from smoking. But what insurance companies have found out is that people who know smoking is bad for you and do it anyway generally live a riskier lifestyle. Um, and But what does that do? It encourages people to quit smoking. It encourages good behavior. And so if you want to continue smoking, you're going to pay more for your life insurance, and that's your choice. Uh, but I know of several people and... Um, being in the business, talking to uh, some of our producers, their clients who have quit smoking over life insurance uh, premiums. And so it, it, insurance can encourage good behavior. Um, oh, yeah. If, if, I, if I had to pay double for my life insurance policy, I'm not sure I would be doing it. Right. Or I would, ha I would, have, a, I would have a smaller policy just to… Right, and that's your choice. If you want to continue smoking, then you don't have to. You're you're a greater risk to the insurance carriers, and they know that. So maybe, and you know, in in our free market world, um, where the insurance companies would be more involved in your, you know, looking at how much of a risk you are in general, is that do you have up suicidal tendencies? Or so other other mental issues that might cause you right. to harm yourself, or maybe to talk someone into harm. You know, and, and just enough. And so there's there's another incentive for you to for you to get help. I mean, it might it might even be built into the insurance companies that they they pay for it just so that right. you're you know they're not paying a, a the the policy out for you because if you do something. And and if you're thinking this would be an awful society where they just raise your rates for everything you do. Well, it's a market, and insurance companies need to be profitable. So this is all based on actuarial risk. And if a company wanted to lower their smoker rates to attract more smokers to their, their risk pool, they can certainly do that, and you would see that. And um, you know, if the carriers decided to charge 20 times the premium for a smoker, some company would probably come around and say, we can lower the rates and be still be profitable. Let's do it. And that's kind of how the market works when you have – a uh, few barriers to entry. Right. So the, the rates and, would kind of even out. Yeah. And I mean, they would, people who live better, more, you know, wholesome, less risky lives, and also who own tractors would probably get better insurance rates. I don't see how you make that connection. I don't think that would, I don't, I don't remember learning that in actuary classes. Hmm. Well, t your, your hamburgers are also terrible. So, yeah. all right. Take that. All right. <laughs> Do you have a free market story? Because I thought you were going to forget and I was going to bring it up at the end. No. Uh, would it count if you brought it up like, by the end no, of the No, and that's why I would have loved to bring it up. Okay. Uh, I do have a free market story. So, <laughs> um, I just got back from vacation this morning. I drove back from the shore 
straight to work. I was down, down the shore, the Jersey shore for a week with my family. And, uh, I, you know, I like going fishing and wanted to go off the surf right on the beach, uh, before and after the lifeguards were there and there's not really anybody in the water. And I wanted to, you know, try sharking this year. Um, so I went to the bait shop, talked to the, uh, the owner there and mentioned it to him. He showed me the, the tackle for getting sharks and said, yeah, you should use mackerel. And he also made the comment, he goes, uh, do you need a rod holder? And he pointed to these uh, heavy-duty aluminum sand spikes, basically. And I said, no, I got, I got a holder. And he goes, well, I mean, the, uh, if you just use the plastic PVC, uh, a shark, if you get one of them, can rip it right out and you'll lose your rod. So I said, oh, you know what? I was looking at it, and I could use it for, you know, on rocks too. I said, yeah, that, that seems like a good idea. It's, it's worth the investment. So I bought it. It was 35 bucks. It wasn't cheap especially when you can just buy some PVC pipe at a Home Depot and cut it to size and, and you have a rod holder. So I bought it and uh, I went fishing that night and uh, something hit the line really hard and uh, was pulling line out. By the time I grabbed the line, it, it snapped it. 30-pound test, so something, something pretty significant. And it actually torqued the, uh, the sand spike in the sand a little bit too. So it, it hit it really really hard you probably had a great white on the other end yeah probably <laughs> a four million pound shark but uh or a tractor because you know they 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 got some pulling power mm. but uh so there's a guy at the beach that i saw uh he, he saw me fishing and i i said hey this is this is a great sand spike and everything and he asked he was from california wanted to do some fishing so i said oh yeah go to this sterling harbor Right off the island. Uh, it's a good bait shop. The guy, you know, uh, suggested I buy this, set me up with the, you know, the good bait and the rig and everything. So I went there the next day to buy another sand spike because for, you know, people in the rest of my family to use and the, to have multiple, because, you know, you go fishing, have multiple rods. And the guy that I saw on the beach was there uh, buying some bait and tackle and actually bought a, a, a rod spike. So just that, you know, the word of mouth is, is powerful. And uh, because that business, you know, he treated me well. The guy, you know, made, made some good recommendations for me. I took his word for it. I went back the next day and bought, bought it again. And another guy that I talked to bought, bought the spike. And, you know, people I know that like fishing, I've been telling them this story that, yeah, it saved me it paid for itself the first time I used it because I would have been out of a, you know, my surf rod, which isn't cheap. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you treat your customers well and, and sell good products, then you know, it really goes a long way and, and it, and it supports, supports you doing well, as opposed to selling nasty hamburgers. My hamburgers are delicious. Okay. Actually, I have eaten your hamburgers. And they are good. <laughs> Well, I think that wraps it up for this week. Yep. So, uh, do you know next next week is the fifty second episode? Big full year, not missing a beat. I know. I can't believe it. And this month will be our five year anniversary for the website too. Five years, yeah. Yeah, it's towards the end of the month though. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully this year I won't forget 
when the day comes and I'll actually like post something to big celebration. Make, yeah. Make a big deal about it. But, um, in the meantime, since we've got a couple, a week before our, uh, one year podcast anniversary and our five year website anniversary, go to our show notes page for this episode, mcflugel.com slash 51. And I'll link to a, uh, right after the Elizabeth Nolan Brown thing happened. Uh, I wrote, I wrote something up because a lot of people were confusing uh, what was going on and saying that she violated his right to free speech or right to a job or something. So, yeah, I, I wrote something up on it explaining how whether you agree with her or not, um, she didn't violate anyone's rights. And then uh, also, of course, there will be links to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher as well as subscribing to our uh, email list. And following us on Twitter and liking us on Facebook. As Tell your always, friends. We, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we like your comments. We'd like to respond to them and have the conversation. Absolutely. So next week, get ready for uh, the one-year McFlugalpalooza or whatever it's going to be. I don't know. That's what it's going to be. Is it actually? Wait, I was thinking about this. So well, the following week will be. Yeah, that will be the one year but anniversary. We will have completed a full year. Yes, but episode. the anniversary would be the fifty-third episode. Right. Which is yeah. Which was also my number when I played football. So. Ooh yeah, there we go. My baseball number was nineteen. We blew past that forever ago. Not that I. I was just below your level. Yeah. And, you know, in baseball that you were football, so. Well, you played post-college, so. Yeah. I played during college, too. <laughs> that counts. Yeah, it's college baseball. Anyway, yeah. we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Thanks for your time. As always, hit up our website, like us, share us, tell your friends. Catch you next week. Peace.